Our Bible reading is um, Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. It's on page 991. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was, I was picking up litter the other week for a, as part of our church litter pick and I was working my way up Madison Road which is pretty filthy on a Sunday morning because everyone's had a kebab the night before and they've, they've chucked their beer bottle there as well and so there's a lot of litter to pick up on Madison Road on a Sunday morning and um, as I was going I had my grabber thing and I was putting it in the bag and um, a, a young woman walked up with a pram next to me and she said are you picking up litter on my street I said yeah I suppose I, suppose I am <laughs> and, uh, and she said why are you doing that I said, oh, uh, well, we're from the church, you know, St. Paul's on Whiteman Road, and um, we're here, we're just trying to love our neighbor and pick up some litter. And we had this great chat. She pushed her pram up the, up the street, and I p- picked up whatever I could. And um, I, was just, I tried to say, you know, we're from the church, we love Jesus, he loves us, so we're trying to love our neighbor. And it was the perfect love your neighbor moment. It felt like everything, the stars just aligned, so that I, I, was, I was there, and she asked, and, and uh, who knows what the Lord will do. But... Um, it's not always that easy, is it? I mean, loving your neighbor, you've set out with good intentions. I would love to love my neighbor. And sometimes the practicalities don't work out. And sometimes nobody cares. <laughs> and nobody asks you that perfect question to tee you up. But it's still the right thing to do, isn't it? It's still, it's still loving your neighbor. It's still what we're called to. And as we heard in the Bible today, and as I want to expand on for a few moments together, that is our vision together. As you know, if you're regular here, we've, um, we've set out with a new vision together. So I've personally been here six years, and we, we had a vision to be a family on mission, treasuring Christ, which the Lord did amazing things with. So we turned the corner into this year, and we said, okay, Lord, what now? And um, we've been saying together, well, let's try and be a church over the next five to ten years who love Jesus, love neighbor, grow disciples, and plant churches. And I'm trying to preach one sermon a month on each of these, and here we are on this second one. So I'd like to talk to you today about loving neighbor. Do you notice how important it is in the Bible? Jesus says, right, first commandment, love God. Second commandment is like it, love your neighbor. It's crucial. He says all the law and the prophets in the Old Testament hang on those two commandments. So it's mega important. We... um, we have some new images to go with it, so I'm very grateful to Josephine and her gifts. And so can you see that, that image in there, um, with, which is encouraging us to love our neighbor? They'll pop up a lot. And if the church can get this right, you know, if the church can love its neighbor, if the church can be transparent and open-handed, if the church can be gracious but resolute, then, then this simple thing, love your neighbor, it has the potential to just captivate people. Do you know what I mean? Because it's quite hard to pull off. But even the non-churchgoers, they recognize it. If, you know, if, if, you, if the church gets it right, then, then, the, then the non-Christians look in and they go, hey, what you're doing, that's the way to do community. 
that we recognize that and we say yes to what, yes to that. It's just the, the church Christians, me included, we're just quite good at not doing it, quite, quite good at screwing up the vision and not loving our neighbor. But wouldn't it be great if we could get it right over the next decade or so? I think, I think knowing most of you, you, you're probably quite good at loving your neighbor already. Yeah, I think you're nice people. And I, I think you're probably the kind of people who when the tube pulls into the tube station, I think you probably step back and you allow the person off the train first because it's really annoying when people don't do that and they have elbows and they shove you out of the way. So I think you love your neighbor already. I, I, I think lots of you give money away and you're, you're generous in all sorts of different ways. I think you're good at loving your neighbor. So I praise God for that. But I do just want to say to you, I feel like that's the beginning. I feel like the Lord has so much more that he wants to do amongst us. And the church worldwide has this capacity to love our neighbor in a way that makes everyone go, oh, right, well, if that's what it's about, then I want to join in. So why don't we see, why don't we see what God will do if we just do this simple thing of loving our neighbor together. Let me expand on this with, with three basic questions. Who is my neighbor, firstly? Why should I love them, secondly? And how can I love them, thirdly? Okay, it's there on the back of your church family news sheet if you want to follow along. But who and why and how? I'm going, to, I'm going to reference other biblical texts which are printed there, but I'm going to root it in this simple gospel reading, Matthew chapter 22, where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so first, first question, who is my neighbor? This is actually the easiest one, so I'll take that one first. Someone actually asked Jesus that question when he was on earth. Like, who is my neighbor? And he came out with the parable of the good Samaritan. Do you remember that story? The famous story of a guy who's walking through and he, um, Luke chapter 10, he encounters this person who was all, all beaten up. And um, Jesus says, your neighbor is effectively the person who you encounter. So at the end of the story, do you have it there on your sheets? Um, verse 37, the expert in the law required replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So a neighbor, according to Jesus, is anyone in your path who you have opportunity to have mercy on, i.e. it is whoever is near you. So a pastor friend I know calls it the proximity principle. So whoever is near you, whoever is in proximity to you, that's your neighbor. So you don't have to think too hard about it. You just love that person. There are two circles on your sheets, which I've found useful as I've thought about this. Can you see them? Let me try and replicate it on here for you. Um, the inner circle and the outer circle. And uh, in the Bible it says in Galatians 6.10, New Testament, therefore as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially the family of believers. And so we derive from this proximity principle and from verses like that the idea that first of all our neighbor is is often church it's often just the Christians God has put around us and it certainly talks about that in the Bible it says you've got to look after your family first sometimes that's blood family sometimes that's church family so for us we say well we, let's, let's, we want to love people in our church so that's where you get things like in the New Testament if you have a widow amongst you who's who's been widowed and they're in need you must look after them if you have an orphan, you must look after orphans if they're amongst you. And um, there's also this outer circle, which Galatians 6.10 would call, I'm trying to write upside down, all people. And um, sometimes your neighbor is just 
all people. It's just, it's just the person you come across when you're, when you're on the Jericho Road. It's, it's the person who is um, begging outside Tesco's when you go to buy some bread. It is, it's the person who lives next door to you, and they may not be a Christian, but you're, they're your neighbor. So you love all people. Do you get the idea? So proximity principle, whoever's near you, but then within church life, we're trying to operate, well, let's look after our church family, and then wherever we have opportunity, we'll try and love people wider than that. That is why we set up a hardship fund in church this year. I'm quietly proud of this. Um, it's just a little thing, but we, we now have a little pot of money, it's just 500 pounds this year, which in our church budget is something. And we're saying, if we have people in need, then we would love to help them, because they're our neighbor. So for instance, um, if someone doesn't have shoes to get them through the winter, or if they need new locks on their front door, or if they, they don't have enough food to get through the month. Like, well, we would love, we'd obviously love to help our neighbor like that, so we're gonna set some money aside to do that. And as a church, we, we say, well, you know, church family, we, we wanna help them as much as possible, and then indeed, anyone wider in our community, all people. My pastor friend, uh, Thomas West, who's in Queen's Park in Commission, he, uh, he also talks about his France list. He's American, so he calls it his France list. Uh, and he, so F-R-A-N-C-E. He, he says when he's praying for people, he thinks about F, friends, R, relatives, A, acquaintances, N, neighbor, C, colleagues, and E, enemies. <laughs> and uh, so he's sitting down to pray for people, and he's, uh, he'll write France down the side of the page, and he'll put like two names next to each letter. So two friends, two relatives, two acquaintances, and so on. And he'll pray for those people. I find that a helpful way of, of thinking, okay, God, who have you put in my life? You know, who, who are the people around me? And you work through the different categories in France. You may have another way of doing it. Love your neighbor. Um, one thing I've noticed about our church is that St. Paul's Harringate, you know, we don't all live together. When I arrived here, I think it, it was a bit more local. You know, people generally, so we talked a lot about loving Harringay, and we drew, the, we drew the geographic line reasonably close. But um, over the last six years, I think things have become a bit more spread out, though we still have a local focus. So I'm saying in this new vision, um, I don't actually want to limit it just to loving Harringay. I want to say to you, well, why don't we love our neighbor wherever we live, wherever you work, wherever you end up during the week. We did a survey recently, and 41% of people said they lived in the N4 postcode. So 41% of our church, really quite local. But then that leaves 59% of our church who live in other places. So um, some, of, you know, some of you live near the M25, which is far from here. And uh, some of you live in South London, south of the River Thames. And you, you, we rejoice that you choose to make us your home church. So I'm saying, wherever you live, the vision is the same. Let's, let's love our neighbor. Okay, that's the first question. Who is my neighbor? Well, whoever is near you. Um, second question. Everyone okay? Not too cold? Okay. Wave your hands if you want to or rub them together. Um, why should I love my neighbor? This is dynamite. This is like biblical dynamite, which I'm going to try and put under your chair. Um, there are so many reasons. I was talking to the elders about this, and we just enjoyed listing out so many reasons. I haven't got time to talk to you about the Trinity, though I would love to. You know, God himself loves neighbor, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I haven't even got time to talk about Eden. I'd love to talk about Eden you know, because um, actually we were put here on earth to do work of loving our neighbor. 
haven't got time to talk about Calvary even, where, where Jesus has loved his neighbor, and so we follow his example. I haven't got talk about, time to talk about the Holy Spirit. God, God is with us the whole time, just loving us. The one thing I want to focus on in this question is the image of God. You see there on your sheets, I've put some image of God references. Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Very clear at the beginning of the Bible. A fellow human is in the image of God. And then fast forward in Colossians chapter 3 in the New Testament, it says, do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And then it says, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. You get a similar thing in James chapter 3. Often when the New Testament talks about the image of God, it wants to say, hey, you see that human being over there? See that human? They're made in the image of God. They reflect the glory of their creator, so go and love them. It often wants to link image with love. Which is actually much deeper than you might expect. You know, I, I think, you know, I reckon all of us would sign up to the idea that we should love our neighbor, right? Not very controversial. But actually, if you, go, if you drill down, dive down into that issue, it's quite hard for the modern world to answer the question, why? Why should I expend any energy loving our neighbor? But the Bible says, well, you do that because they're, they're in the image of God. And there's a human being over there. And they reflect God. Just to bring that out, it, flip it around. I mean, it, it does strike me that it, this loving your neighbor is surprisingly far away from modern science and from business and from lawmaking. Okay? It's pretty far from modern science because modern science is so bought into Darwinianism and natural selection and, and survival of the fittest that I don't think there's much room for God or loving your neighbor anymore, right? Because if, we, if we're all evolved so that the strongest survive, and if you purely buy into that without any God in that, then why would you love your neighbor? Because they're weak. <laughs> and you, you survive if you're strong and you don't get bogged down in you know, things like loving people. So you just carry on. Forget about them. So I, I, think, I think pure modern science with no God in it struggles to articulate, well, why should I love my neighbor? I, I also think the business marketplace struggles to articulate this. So we live in a city which is often driven by the bottom line. So if it's, if it's all about finances and how much profit you can make, why would you love your neighbor? Unless they pay you. <laughs> and, then, and then it makes sense to love them, right? Unless, unless you can get something back from them, then okay, I'll, I'll, I'll play a part in that. But why would you do something which is not profit-making? And yet the Bible says, well, you, you do it because it's the right thing to do because they're in the image of God. And um, so science and business, they don't really go there. And um, lawmaking. Imagine if Rishi Sunak just came on the radio tomorrow and he said, Here, here's a new law for you all. You must love your neighbor, otherwise you'll go to prison. Everyone would be, what? You're definitely not winning the next election, Rishi. You know, it would just be, it would be too much. You can't lock someone up for not loving their neighbor. So the government can't do that for us. You, you look to the government for help and there's basically all they can do is say, don't hit your neighbor. You know, don't, don't batter them because we'll send you to prison but they can't give you the positive vision. They can't say, hey, let's inspire you to love your neighbor. The government can't do that. Who can do that? You, I mean, you tell me, uh, genuine question, which institution is well set up to inspire people in the community to love their neighbor? 
It's the, it's the church, right? Yeah. Because the church has the words of Jesus and the church has the image of God right, embedded in the heart of it. And the church can say to people, hey guys, let me give you this vision. Let me tell you what society could be like. Let me tell you how this could operate. And the rest of the city has the chance to look and say, that's a really good idea. And if it feels at this point like a lot's been asked of you, you know, you, maybe you feel a sort of rising panic. Like, oh, like, I, hear, I hear what you're saying, but, but this is going to demand a lot of me then let me tell you the good news of Christianity. You are, you are like right in the drop zone for the gospel right now because um, Sarah was reminding me recently that we often feel the question, who's, who's going to love me? You know, if I make myself vulnerable, if I put myself out that sacrificially, who's going to love me? But actually the gospel flips the question around on us and says, well, hasn't Jesus already loved you? Doesn't he love you today? Jesus will love you, you see, no matter what. Jesus will love you through thick and thin. Jesus will love you in the autumn sun and the spring rain. Jesus will he'll love you when you're young and he'll love you when you're old. Jesus will love you on your best day at work and on your worst day in your family. Jesus loves you and he's so sacrificial towards you. He, he, he will love you and pour his life out for you. So do you see how the, the anxiety begins to drain away? And you think, oh, if I'm that secure in his love, if, if I can't lose in this equation then I can begin to give myself in love of my neighbor. So why don't we, why don't we spend our lives teaching our children that it's okay, you can, you can love your neighbor. You can do this. Why don't we teach our neighborhood that there is a, there is a great way to do community? Why don't we teach our, teach our neighbors every time we do it, just in a little way, about the love of Christ? I, I, I typed into Spotify this week, love your neighbor. And this song came up, which I hadn't heard of, by a guy called Jamie Kimmett, and it's just called Love Your Neighbor. And he's got this great lyric in it where he says, come on church, let's change the game. Isn't that a nice way of putting it? And uh, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be amazing if churches all over London could just change the game? You know, our city is, is, is often operating on the principles of science or business or lawmaking. But we've got a different vocabulary and a different reason to do it. And why don't we try and change the game? Why don't we just try and change our city and show them how to love our neighbor? So that's the second thing. Why should I love my neighbor? And I'm saying to you, basic biblical reason, because they're in the image of God. Third question, how do I love my neighbor? Right, and this is like the 64 thousand dollar question this is where it all cashes out maybe you've been waiting for the practical stuff great let's do it well I went back to Leviticus for a bit of help thinking Lord where do you go with this Leviticus 19 is where the, the Bible first says love your neighbor as yourself and as you see the verses on your sheet there I've picked out some of them it, it helpfully just puts a bunch of negatives like do not steal Right. So ba basics, love your neighbor 101, don't steal from them. It's really annoying and they won't like it. N you know, basic number two, do not lie, Leviticus says. So don't lie to people, it's not loving. Thirdly, don't defraud them, you know, don't steal possessions and money from them and don't seek revenge. It's okay, so some big building blocks in terms of what not to do. You turn over a bunch of pages and you get to the New Testament and you get a whole load more positives to put on top. So Romans... 12. This is where I want to um, just camp out for the last few minutes together. Romans chapter 12. Do you see that? Love must be sincere, it says. Honor one another above yourselves. 
Share with the Lord's people who are in need, it says later. And finally, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. If you're in a home group, then I want to spend a bit more time thinking through this particular passage later on in the week. So we'll, um, we'll go deep on this particular lagoon. Let me, let me try and offer a few examples, knowing that um, there's so much to say here, and really we need to live it out in practice together. I think God has actually given you a toolkit for loving your neighbor, which you're carrying around with you today. So very encouraging. You're already in possession of everything you need to try and do this well. Okay? It's your body. And I've put on your sheets an incredibly crude drawing that I did on my laptop of a human body, which you, you may like to annotate as you go along. Uh, ears, first of all. Okay, God, you got ears? Yeah, I think I can see them all. Okay, God has given you ears so you could listen to your neighbor. Let me just encourage you how powerful that could be. Romans 12 talks about love must be sincere. And you know that old adage, God gave you two ears? And how many mouths? How many mouths you got? Just one. Okay, so... Perhaps in principle, God was making a point, you know, twice as much listening, half as much talking. So can I just encourage you how powerful it is if you just listen to people around you? That's a great way of loving them. I have found that in door knocking, you know, we've had this door knocking ministry for a few years now. People tend to expect us just to monologue at them. um, But if we use our ears and we knock on the door and we just ask some questions and listen, listen, listen to what they've got to say. I found that a powerful way of literally opening doors. People don't expect that from their neighbors, and it's a gift that we could give them. So use your ears, listen to them. Second body part, eyes. Use your eyes and and see your neighbor. I know that's blindingly obvious, but actually to to really see them, because there are are nine million people in London, so you're just like, whoa, there's so many human beings here. It's very hard to remember, hang on a minute, this person is a a human being created with dignity in the image of God. But to, to have eyes to see them is an amazing thing. And Romans 12 talks about honoring one another above yourselves. So try and just slow down, see the person in front of you and think this is a human being who I'm going to honor above myself. So use your eyes for it. I was listening to a podcast recently called Everyday Evangelism. It's from London City Mission. And one of the guests, they're just, just talking about meeting people in London every day. She had a great point. She talked about seeing the one. So can I encourage you just to try and see the one? Her example, she talks about she's got four kids and she ran out of milk one day for breakfast. So she hurried down to the, the supermarket to try and get some milk. And she was in a big stress. It was the first thing in the morning. and She didn't have time for anyone. But at the, at the door of the supermarket, there was a guy begging. And he said, have you got a quid? And her first reaction was, no, I haven't got a quid. I'm in a hurry. I need to get back and give, you know, I need the milk and I need to feed my children breakfast. But as she, um, for one reason or another, she's a Christian. She said, hang on a minute. This is a human being. And she said she found the time just to stop and say, well, you know, why, do you need, why do you need a pound? And they had a little chat. She's, I don't know. She spent a couple of minutes talking to him. And she bought her milk and went back. She said later, later on that week, she happened to find out through, um, uh, I think it was a Christian GP who had, who had, the guy had gone to the GP later that day. He, he told his GP the story about being depressed. No one in London had any time for him. And yet he met someone at the supermarket door that morning who spoke to him. 
and, and that gave him the courage to go to the GP and get help, and, they start, and then he applied for housing. And it, it, like his whole life turned around because someone had eyes to see this person, and because he, because he referenced the person by name, the GP was able just to pass it on with his permission to this person. Amazing. But only because that person had eyes to see the one. Now, who is it? Who is the one? You know, who is the neighbor? Who is the person in your life who, if you slow down, you can see them? You can notice them. Often I think there's one person in every 24 hours who they might be in your family and you just, whoa, slow down. This person is right in front of me. Often they might be in your workplace working right next to you. Hang on a minute. I do have a moment to talk to this person. Often you might meet them as a stranger on the street. But how about having eyes to see the one? They gave one example on the podcast of the scam caller who um, phones you up and they try and, you know, scam you. I don't, I don't yet have the heart to, be, to see that person. I'm just trying to work up the courage to figure out how I can love that person and share Jesus with them. But, in, but maybe the Lord will do that for me one day. So you've got your, got your ears to listen, you've got your eyes to see. Um, got hands? Just move your hands. It helps warm them up, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Very good. You've got hands? Well, you've got hands then to give. To maybe give something to your neighbor. Romans 12, 13 talks about sharing with those who are in need. And a very practical way to love your neighbor is to, to give them what they need. I came across this mega encouraging statistic. Did you know that in America, Christians outgave the US government in 2022 in terms of addressing foreign poverty? Isn't that good? I think the US government gives a lot of money to foreign aid, but the church managed to outdo them by giving to people who had need around the world. That is good. I don't know what the statistic is for Britain, but I'd love to know. But what, isn't it great if we could share with those who had, have need? There is a bit of a, a tension here because um, you know, we, we talked about loving our neighbor and the proximity principle. So I think we're called, first of all, to love those just who are immediate to us geographically. But then if we get any opportunity, we're just going to share with the people who have need. They might live on the other side of the world on a different continent, but I'll try and share with them. Sky's the limit. Certainly at St. Paul's, we, we have a mission giving pot and we currently give £3,000 a year to mission within London and we're trying to give £3,000 a year internationally. So just, we're just going just to send it and trust that it's going to bless people far away from us. So you've got hands? Give. Just share with whatever, whoever you can, however you can. Final body part, um, mouth. If you have a mouth... Why don't you use it to love your neighbor? That is particularly to speak to them. It says in Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. And a blessing is a, is a vocalized thing. You have to say something positive rather than responding with negativity and, and curses in, in kind. Just to give you an example of this uh, before we finish, uh, I love the Haringey village fate. Uh, it's, 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 it's a lovely day um, we do it every September it's a sort of St Paul's tradition and we just try and throw the doors open throw the premises open welcome people from the community I think it's just a great example of loving your neighbour you know, so we, just, we just want people to come um, they don't have to, have to have any prior involvement with church let us bless you, you know, we'll give you a burger we'll give you a cup of tea you can go on the bouncy castle we don't want your money really um, we just want to love you as our neighbour I particularly love um, seeing people try and use their mouth to build people up in the Lord. There's one brother who's now left the church, so I can embarrass him freely. Uh, but uh, 
he's moved away from London now, he used to revel in the Harringay Village fate because I'd, I'd see him, he's sort of loitering in the churchyard by the gate and he loved to meet people. So he'd, you know, well, hello, how are you? Welcome. He was as friendly as they could take. Um, but he particularly loved if, if he could ask them about their faith and he could ask them about Jesus in their life. This sort of, that was his, that was his meta, yeah, he was going for that if he possibly could. So um, in terms of loving your neighbor, that is the best way to bless them. Because as a church, we sometimes talk about, we want to be about relieving as much suffering as possible, but especially eternal suffering. And the, the best way to relieve the most suffering in the sweep of eternity is to tell people about Christ. Because then they can be safe in heaven with him forever, enjoying, the, in, enjoying God. And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? So I love to see church family like our brother, just, just speaking about Jesus whenever they can, using their mouth and the knowledge of God that they have. You never get it perfect, but sometimes God gives you a chance to speak about Christ. And there's nothing better than that. My time is just about gone. Um, let's be a church that loves our neighbor. There's an author called John Dixon, and he writes a book called Bullies and Saints, which I enjoyed last year. He talks about, in the sweep of history, he, he talks about Christians who've been bullies and Christians who have basically been saints. And he, he likens it to a beautiful tune. So if you get a really beautiful melody, Jesus was the first one to sing the melody because he came up with this. You know, he said, hey guys, let's love our neighbor as ourselves. And everyone said, wow, that's a great idea. And then Christians down the ages, sometimes they've replicated this melody and they've sung it perfectly. And the world has gone, that is it. You know, they've started hospitals, they've looked after the sick, they've, they've, they've done schools where no one else was doing free schools, they've just invented new ideas of doing things and, and people have said, that's the tune, that's beautiful, you're so in harmony. And um, at other times Christians have mangled the tune <laughs> and they've made a hash of it and it's like being, someone being singing totally off key. But John Dixon says in his book, what a vision, like, we're, we're not done yet. We, we've still got time as a church to do this. So I want to say to you, how about let's, Let's try and sing this tune together. Let me see what, see what God can do. I think the sky is the limit and it's down to us. We have God's Holy Spirit, so let's give it a go. I'm just going to leave, leave a moment's quiet and maybe God is laying on your heart something from today, part of your bodily toolkit that you would love to use and then I'd, I'll leave us, lead us in a prayer. Oh, Lord our God, we, we hear Jesus' call today to love our neighbor. We think it's beautiful. We would love to live in a city like that, Father. Love to be part of a church like that. But Father, if, it's, if, if that's going to happen, it has to be you. We, are, we always turn inwards. We always serve ourselves. We always turn away from the truth. And yet, by your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help make us part of your grand plan for the church where we love our neighbor. So we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.